Welcome to this week's edition of the Wispy Mop Music Acoustic Radio Podcast Series. I'm your host, Todd, middle initial C. Walker. Yes, that's right. It's me. And we have been listening to the song Perjury from the upcoming CD that's going to be released sometime in October, titled Someone Else's Wings by a young singer-songwriter based currently out of the Chicago area, Carrie Ann Farrell. And she's on the phone with me right now. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Todd. Thanks for having me. You're most welcome. And from what I understand, unless I misunderstood one of our emails, is you grew grew up in the Brunswick, Maryland area, did you not? I grew up in Frederick, actually, in Hillcrest Orchards. Sure. And you're going to be moving back to the area or just for the concert that's coming up? No, I'm just coming back. I'm going to be having a record release show at Beans in the Belfry on October 21st. And, um, I'm super excited about that because it means that my family will be able to attend and a lot of my friends who live in the area and 
who don't usually get to see me perform, except on their computer screens, will be able to see me too. Well, and I'll get to see them. And and in the last two and a half years, because of the the, the COVID um, virus, most people see each other by YouTube anyway, because for the longest exactly. time, of course, <laughs> venues weren't open. But uh, And I have yeah. seen a couple. I saw the one YouTube of you. I guess I didn't realize you were performing at some sort of a venue and you're Evidently, you're, you you stopped in mid-song because your husband was outside playing with the dog. Yes. Yes, that is a famous video among our friend group. My husband is a bit of a dog whisperer uh-huh. and makes friends with every dog. And, you know, he gets to hear me sing all the time. So, middle of the show, he middle of the song, he just gets out, notices a cute dog, and... Then half the video is just him loving on this sweet puppy. <laughs> <laughs> now, is he also a singer musician? He has a wonderful voice, and he is a great violin player. Wow. He doesn't do as much outside of the house as I do, but you should hear him do karaoke. It's an experience. <laughs> well, you know, I was a, a naysayer for karaoke until I saw my brother do it and we're talking probably 20 years ago now when the karaoke thing just kind of hit and my brother my younger brother has a beautiful voice he never really performed anywhere and i'm thinking you sing karaoke and i went to the show and the other people are getting up and they're singing and of course it's in a bar and it's noisy and they introduce my brother and he gets up and the whole room went quiet and i'm thinking why is everybody getting quiet it's because he had such a great voice and I, I said to him afterwards, I said, first of all, you're very good, but you're like a statue. You don't move. He <laughs> says, what? Who says I have to move? <laughs> I said, well, it's part of the show. So so good right. for him that he does karaoke. Now, do you do yeah. duets ever? Um, we have in the past. I think he and I are both, we're both very like sensitive people. And I think we both have ideas about how things should go. <laughs> And so it doesn't always work for collaboration musically. Um, we work very well collaboration-wise as a marriage. We have been together now for 22 years and married for, oh, I just knew how long we were married. A long time. <laughs> well, you know, the, the um, base on, and I can just go by your photos because you know, I've never met you in person. I hope I can get to the show. I can't guarantee I will be able to, but I hope I will. The, uh, but I assumed you probably were much younger than that, based on all your photos. You were a very young oh. look. <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm actually just a few days shy of 44. Well, you know what? I wish I was 44 again. I really do. <laughs> I'm excited for 44. My 40s have been pretty amazing, and I've been a fan so far. Well, good. Now, the upcoming CD is titled Someone Else's Wings, and I was going to ask you if your your husband was singing on any of the tracks, but based on what you just said, maybe not. No. Um, there is violin. It's actually a friend of mine that I know online, but no, Neil does not appear on the record. Maybe, maybe in the future, I'll get him to do some singing with me on a recording. Well, you, uh, I guess... You had mentioned in the previous email early this week that the CD isn't quite ready yet because your your engineer is having some difficulties. Um, so it's been put on the back shelf. Is it going to be out in time, hopefully? I hope so, yeah. Just, you know, some family things have come up as 
things often do when you're coming down to a deadline. Life gets in the way. It but, does. You know, just hoping that everything will be all right and hoping that things will still be ready for October 21st. Even well, if they aren't, I still plan to be at the show and I still plan to sing the songs. Oh, absolutely. And if, if the rest of the CD is as good as the three songs that I've heard, it'll be a wonderful CD. So I look forward to hearing all the other songs. Now, you are known as a singer-songwriter and a multi-instrumentalist, as well as a teacher and an author. And based on some of the songs from what I can find online, you've done, would I be incorrect in saying that you've done a lot of kids' songs? You know, people often assume that since I'm a preschool teacher and a musician, mm -hmm. that kids' music would be a natural fit for me. But I try to write a kid's song, and generally, it turns out to be like, you know, a very sad song about, like, attachment theory, or a very sad song about what it means to, like, love kids and have relationships with your students and then say goodbye to them. So, like, the happy wheels on the bus kind of stuff generally doesn't come out when I write. But I love singing with kids. I love introducing them to music. And I just have the best time performing for them, even if I don't always write for them. Now, when you perform for the kids, do you play an ukulele? Do you play your guitar? Um, I do both. Um, when I'm teaching music, I'll often bring the ukulele into the classroom just because it's more portable. And it is harder for the kids to get to. The guitar is big enough and shiny enough with the shiny strings and everything that the kids they want to get at it and they want to touch it and be all over it. The ukulele is smaller and I can kind of hold it a little bit closer. The trombone is a totally different story. <laughs> you know, I had forgotten I'd read somewhere that you play trombone. What instruments do you play? Give me a list of what your this multi-instrumentalist plays. Sure. Well, trombone was my first instrument. Um, then tiny bit of keyboard, guitar, I'm learning bass, ukulele, and melodica as well. Ah. Now, I do have to ask you a question regarding the trombone. Is it difficult to keep your lip? People who've never played a trumpet or a trombone have no idea what we, we mean when we say you have to get your lip in shape. But yeah. <laughs> is it difficult? Because I'm assuming you don't play the trombone all the time. You probably pick it up every once in a while, or maybe you do. Oh, no. I actually play trombone a lot. But there was a long period, like right after college, until I was like in my late 20s, where I wasn't playing at all. I remember like I could move my hand exactly where it needed to go. And I knew what my lips were supposed to do. <laughs> it was so frustrating to have that technique but not be in shape. And you know, I got back into shape and I actually play all the time, probably more than guitar at this point, but that's just because my band has been really busy. So, well, you mentioned band. Now what, what type of band is it? All right. So I am a member of a band called Clamor and Lace Noise Brigade, and it is a marching band. 
Um, it's a glam marching band, which means that we wear super fancy costumes, lots of sequins and lots of glitter. And all the members are people of marginalized gender. So people who identify as women, people who identify as non-binary or gender fluid, gender expansive, um, basically no cisgender men because, you know, there's a lot of places for you guys. <laughs> no. And so it's fun to have a, a place where, you know, we can kind of be at the center and it is just an amazing experience. Now, do you play in like parades and things like that? Or do you hold yes. concerts? Um, all of the above. Um, part of being like identifying as a street marching band is that we're always like looking for places to like bring the music to the people. So mm -hmm. we might, we might play a gig and then like do some parading around town and kind of surprise people or people might hire us to, you know, we had a gig the other day where we showed up at a thing, played a few songs and then exited, but we'll also do full concerts and be parts of festivals. There's a whole underground brass band scene that's pretty amazing and is all like it's a global phenomenon and you know people people really respond to brass music and wild costumes and like that kind of excitement in the streets well i i must admit that i miss marching bands at football games now they still have them many times in some of the high school uh, because the high school marching band, when they have good funding, that's still, a, yes. it's almost like a sport in a way. And if they probably rehearse yes. or practice more than the, the, the uh, football or whichever team, because you see them out there at six in the morning and then you see them out there at five and six o'clock at night <laughs> and on weekends and so forth. And I was very tickled. I was watching a, one of the NFL games, I guess it was the Thursday night game last week and it was going into halftime and they had the, you know, the sportscasters sitting off to the side and behind them, you could see a marching band. You couldn't necessarily hear them because they didn't have the mics. <laughs> so I was like, wow, they're making a comeback because as good yeah. as, you know, whoever they, you know, Bruce Springsteen or whatever, that just doesn't mix well in my head with a football game. It should be a marching band. I'm kind of a traditionalist in that way. So have you folks ever played in a uh, halftime of the football game? Um, you know what we have played in a halftime show for? Roller derby. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they had halftimes. I didn't know either. And I had never been to a roller derby bout, but that's um, a place that we ended up playing over the summer. But I definitely agree with you about football games and marching band. I was in the marching band at Frederick High for all four years that I went to high school and, you know, went to every single football game, not because I liked football, but because I loved marching band. So now as many people listening, because this is an acoustic music podcast. So most of the people listening are either acoustic musicians themselves or people who just like acoustic music. And they may never have played, or maybe they played for a year or two, maybe clarinet or trombone or trumpet or whatever, just like I played trumpet for a couple, three years when I was in like what we call middle school now. Back then it was junior high. Right. But I never performed in a marching band because that was high school and I had moved on by then. Is it difficult for a 
horn player or, you know, any type of musician to play and march at the same time? Yes. <laughs> it is basically patting your head and rubbing your stomach and walking and chewing gum all at the same time. Thus probably why the rehearsals are so often. Yes. <laughs> It took a lot to learn how to do that. And um, I was surprised that it came back, but it did come back. Now, I'm just curious, how long did it take for your lip to get back in shape from when you started after not playing for a while? Uh, I'd say, uh, well, I was playing like infrequently, just um, doing a lot of um, online collaborations and file sharing. So people would say like, Hey, I know you play trombone. Could you play trombone on this song for me? And, you know, I took it out of the case, like brushed off all the dust and mm -hmm. tried. So, um, within, within a few years, so that sounds discouraging probably to someone <laughs> who wants to get back to it. But within a few years, when I started playing all the time again, it's back. <laughs> Well, it's it's somewhat like a guitar player who, who stops playing for a period of time and loses their calluses. Yes, exactly. Guitar, I haven't stopped since I started playing, but that's because it is quieter, I think, than a trombone, and the neighbors don't get as mad when you play guitar, usually. Now, when speaking of guitar, when did you begin playing guitar? I started playing guitar in college. I went to, um, it's now called Notre Dame University mm -hmm. of Maryland, or Notre Dame, Maryland <laughs> University. I always joke that, you know, it's just all those words and you put, you pick them at random and they are the name of a school, but yes, Notre Dame of Maryland University. And um, I was really big into, it was you know, the mid to late 90s, I was really big into Dar Williams, Ani DeFranco, um, the Neils, all of those artists who were just making really great music at the time. And I wanted to learn guitar. My best friend had a guitar. She gave me the guitar and I slowly, painfully started, you know, developing those calluses and learning how to move the fingers where they needed to be. And it was hard. It was not intuitive. And I resented that because I like things to be easy, <laughs> but I loved it. Now, do you Absolutely. remember what, what guitar that was, what brand and so forth? Oh my goodness. Um, it was a classical guitar. I remember that. And that's all I remember. Um, then I got my first guitar that was, um, you know, mine that I purchased, that was a Fender acoustic. Mm -hmm. And then ever since, like, for some reason, Takaminis yes. seem to come into my life. Well, the in the late 90s through the late 2000s, Takaminis, they were, of course, they were huge and still are huge in the country music. I mean, Garth Brooks was a famous one who played Takamine. Many, many, many uh, country players because they had one of the earlier best amplifications. Basically, their their uh, pickup was was better than the Ovations were the first ones, and then the Takamines. Mm -hmm. And so many people who played and bought their guitar back in that time frame, just like yourself, still own them, still perform with them. 
when we do open mics in today's world, we don't see as many takamines, but they do pop up. If you've got 16 performers, there'll be one or two takamines in there. Yeah. The good, that makes sense. That seems like what I see generally too. Yeah. And uh, when did you pick up the ukulele? Ukulele? Oh God. Along with the, with every other person in the world in the like mid to late two thousands, there is like a ukulele boom and I'm still not quite sure why that happened, but it looked fun. I liked the idea of picking up something new. And at that point I was living across the street from a music school with a music store. So that was dangerous. <laughs> if I got it into my head, like I want to learn to play the ukulele. I just had to walk out the apartment door and there was a whole like room full of ukuleles to choose from. Well, they're highly portable. They're relatively yes. inexpensive compared to a guitar. You can get a, well, you can still buy a custom ukulele in the thousand to $2,000 range. I've even seen some in the 3000 range, but you can get a very good quality ukulele now for $100. Even some, yeah. I've played some that are $40, $50 that actually were beyond my expectation. So it is a very, very portable, uh, affordable, especially for a, a family where young, it's sort of like the, uh, the recorder when we're in yes. the elementary school um, and the local organization here in the Frederick area of fame, Frederick Acoustic Music Enterprise, actually gave 400 plus ukuleles to the school systems for the kids to learn how to play ukulele. Oh, that's so cool. And so it's, it is a, a because it's small, like you were talking about with you when you play it with the kids, it's, um, I think people, whether they're kids or adults, are not overwhelmed by the instrument itself. Right. I think you're right. <laughs> and it's easy on the fingers. Yes, very much. <laughs> so how did you get into songwriting itself? Um, well, I have always written. I've always been a very avid journaler since I was maybe about six. I've been keeping a diary since I was six. I that is really a lot wow. of, yes, that is a lot of books, a lot of journals in a bookshelf on a bookcase. Um, but I also always enjoyed singing. And so I would make up songs. And I remember spending an entire afternoon when I was eight or nine making up song after song and singing it into my Fisher-Price tape recorder. But I did not really start seriously writing songs until I moved to Chicago. And that music school that was across the street from me, the Old Town School of Folk Music, I took a songwriting class there because I wanted to give it a try. I had, you know, tried to write lyrics, but I hadn't done much in the way of adding music to those lyrics and I wanted to give myself that challenge. So that was in about 2003 and then I continued taking classes, started going to open mics and showcases and things like that and pretty much kept going ever since. Now, is the acoustic music scene in the Chicago area a good one or do you have to search out things like open mics and showcases? I think you have to search things out, but once you find them, 
they're great. When I first moved to Chicago, I was a little frustrated because it felt like all the good stuff had already happened. Mm-hmm. It felt like, you know, with Steve Goodman and John Klein and Bonnie Kolak and all these people who had been, you know, around in this great acoustic scene in the 70s. And here I was in 2003 and I just moved from Baltimore where you know, the East Coast folk scene was feeling really great to me around that time. And I kind of had to find my way. Being in classes at the Old Town School certainly helped. Um, wandering into open mics and going like, I hope they like me. <laughs> and sometimes sometimes it was terrible. And sometimes it's ended up being really great. So, like, I'd say it's not even... An acoustic music scene, it's a lot of scenes that overlap each other. Mm-hmm. Like you would be surprised, this marching band scene kind of overlaps with like this scene at this one coffee house that's in our neighborhood, which kind of overlaps with like this other club that used to be around. And then like from there, there's like a whole like kind of acoustic power pop kind of scene and just so so many different things going on but if you look at it it is an interconnected kind of it's venn diagrams upon venn diagrams now the the local coffee house you just mentioned is do they still host live music Yes. So um, that place is called City News Cafe, and it is one of my favorite places. And they have live music in the cafe every weekend and other special events as well. Um, They actually hosted, um, when my book came out, they hosted a book signing party for me, which was awesome. And I play there pretty frequently, as do a lot of other people that I know, a lot of other musicians who are kind of in that part of the Venn diagram. Now, is that like an afternoon performance or an evening performance or both? Yeah, that's an afternoon performance, which is super fun because it means my students can come. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they do. And it's always fun to play. Like I said, always fun to play for the kids. Well, you just mentioned you had a book signing there. And one of the things it says, besides singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, teacher, and author, author so what yes. what do you write what what uh, what's your genre or subject matter so um this will not surprise you i wrote a young adult novel about marching bands <laughs> <laughs> i've written some other things too um i've actually done a lot of music writing and like record reviews and interviews um i was freelancing for a publication um that was all um, based on like mid-century nostalgia, a lot of like 60s uh, 60s pop and rock music and culture. And so I've done a lot of that as well. And yeah, the book, I put it out in 2018. I decided, you know, I had had an agent and I had um, you know tried to get it traditionally published. And then I kind of thought like, I'm an independent musician. When I release a record, I'm going to do it myself. Why can't I do it with a book too? So I did. Well, good. And how how have sales been? I'm just curious. Oh, you know. <laughs> I'll tell you that everyone who has read it has liked it, or at least that's what they've told me. 
I'm surprised. I still, you know, I'll hear from people sometimes, even people that I have no connection to who will say like, I read this book. I really loved it. You know, the characters were believable. It was funny. It was touching. And that's all I, all I wanted. That was my entire like purpose for writing and then putting the book out there. I had something that I loved and I wanted to give it to other people. Well, it is heartwarming and like a shot in the arm when someone who is not in our family or our close knit of friends who enjoys or has positive things to say about a song or something we've written because we, we almost expect our friends and family members to like what we do. Although some brothers and sisters can be sometimes brutally honest, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, it's heartwarming when someone comes up. And uh, so kudos to you that you're, you have people who are saying that that's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Now, once the CD is released, and, of course, we've got the book out there. How can people purchase either the CD and or the book? How do you, how do you go about, about marketing those? Um, you can get Forward March. That's the name of my book. At, um, pretty much any place you get ebooks. Okay. And um, I believe you can get print copies as well. You can, um, like Barnes & Noble, Amazon, um, your favorite independent bookstore, you can ask them to special order it for you, and they sure will. Um, as for the CD, I think it's going to be mostly available via Bandcamp, carryfarrell.bandcamp.com, and it'll be available at shows. And, you know, if I need to start, like, leaving it in little free libraries or, like, leaving it on people's doorsteps to get rid of all my copies of the CD, I will do that too. Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I don't, of course, most of the CDs now for people don't even have them produced. They do it on uh, downloads, just like you were talking about on Bandcamp or whatever it is. And I prefer personally to have the physical CD. Um, I download it onto my computer so I can listen to it with my headphones on for sure. But I like having that physical um, copy to refer to, although it's not like an LP, the old albums where you can get lots of words on a a nice big square. Um, At least there's something in there because you don't get that generally when you just download a song. And I like to hear a little bit more or read a little bit more. Backstory is one thing. Um, I love backstories in music. That's one of the reasons I started the podcast so that, um, people like yourself or like myself or acoustic songwriters, um, can become known other than just for a song or a group of songs, you know, to the backstory, same thing with movies. I love the backstories of the actors and the writers and so forth. So that's why I started the podcast. The, but when you write your songs, how do you come up with the ideas for the song? Like that song, Perjury, that we heard, that we opened up the show. Why didn't you title it honestly? <laughs> this is um, this is interesting because um, I wrote it for a Facebook group where it's called Theme Music. And every two weeks or so, um, there's a new theme that you can 
submit a song for. It can be an original or a cover, something that fits the theme. That week, it had to do with the law. And so it had to be something law related. And I had the song that I'd been playing around with and I called it perjury. And that way it was theme appropriate. Well, that way I was able to finish it, uh which I had not yet done. Because they gave you a deadline. Yeah, I love deadlines. Yeah, I must admit, as much as I don't like them, they do produce results. Right. I must admit, not you know, I'm you know, I'll I'll kick and scream and say I don't like them, but yeah, they do produce. Oh yeah. So your song Elena, that we're going to hear in a moment here, the was that similar to that Facebook group, or is that written for something else? That was written for something else, but I did end up sharing it in the Facebook group. Um, I wrote that one in a songwriting class at the Old Town School of Folk Music. We were given um, a prompt, and the prompt was the Salvador Dali painting, Woman at the Window, Mm -hmm. which I had never seen before. It's a beautiful painting. And um, yeah, we had to free write about it first. And this character came out, Elena. And I don't know where the name came from. I guess I just like it. I don't know anything about her except that I started writing about um, depression and writing about how sometimes depression is romanticized in this way that, you know, depression is not a romantic and beautiful thing. I have um, major depressive disorder and it is not a fun thing. But um, so the song kind of came out of that and Um, I'm really happy with the way that it came out. Um, I thought that it was just going to be a song I wrote in class and left there, but it ended up being the first single off the album. Well, because it's on your website, if I'm not mistaken, or somewhere I saw it, and then it was one of the ones you emailed to me in the Dropbox. Well, let's play it for folks so they can hear it now. Is that okay? All right. Thanks. Yeah. Shining lighthouse bright And all the boats at sea are drawn to her On lonely summer nights The dinner sees into my center Although she doesn't know my name And with a slightest smile she turns her face And I am set aflame Elena, such a shame to brush those tears away. Elena, I would kiss the fall if I could stay. But I am just another sailor, singing yet another Too long. I think of 
I'm assuming that the background vocals are yours. Good guess. I am in the mix. They're also uh, my best friends are singing. And um, the three of us are able to like make our voices sound pretty similar. So I wanted, I wanted them on the album and um, both of them will also be singing with me, hopefully at the CD release show. Oh, that's, that's terrific. Yeah. So they live here. When I say here, yeah. the show is produced in Frederick, Maryland. So I'm, I'm, I forget that people might be listening in Taiwan or Canada or South America. <laughs> right. So now, how did they record? Did they go to a local recording studio in Frederick and you sent the file to you? How'd you, how'd you go about doing that? All right. So um, as is the case for everybody 
on this album, um, we all recorded remotely in home studio setups. And, you know, that could look anything like, you know, kind of a pro setup to I have, you know, someone who has like a little microphone, USB microphone plugged into their laptop. Um, Everybody has different setups and um, different backgrounds and different skill levels and lives in different places. Um, I think the closest that someone lived who is on the album is someone who lived like a block from me. And the furthest is Sweden. Really? So, yeah. So it was all, you know, a very 2020, 2021 kind of creation. But a lot of us had been doing this before the pandemic in that Facebook group I was telling you about. A lot of like long distance collaboration and file sharing. And a lot of us had worked together enough that even though we were far away, it felt very organic and there was a level of trust that you might not have if you were just starting to do a long distance collaboration with somebody. Now, how did you find someone from Sweden to join you on the CD, on the recordings? All right. (laughs) That's a funny story. Um, It was actually through a songwriting project Oh, this is going to date me so terribly. I already said I was 44, but um, some was an online group of people who are fans of the musician Mark Owen, who was in a 90s boy band called Take That. And his 50th birthday was this past January. And people put out a call for, you know, let's do something special to Mark Mark's 50th birthday. Let's write a song. and. You know, I love writing songs. So I said, hey, I'll help with this. And so we wrote this song by committee and had people all over the world submit vocals and video. I mixed it all together and um, we shared it. He apparently loved it. And other fans wrote and told us how much they enjoyed it, too. So, again, one of those things where the people that I, you know, I wanted people to hear the song and the people who did loved it. So now is that particular song on YouTube that people could, uh, Oh yes. That is called when you smile. And I believe it's credited to M O live. When you smile. Yes. Now is that the, the title of the song? That's the title of the song. Yeah. I will have to check that out. I'm not going to check it out, obviously, right now because we yeah. messed with our audio. But the now mentioning audio, how do you go about recording? What is your recording setup like? I've got um, a pretty decent condenser microphone. I've got, you know, a Scarlett audio interface. I, you know, it's very simple. I have a little studio space in our house and you know i go in and i record my songs and i try not to be too fussy about it i'm not as fussy about the audio quality as i am about my own performance um there are many many takes (laughs) (laughs) many many takes and um 
I enjoy it. I love the recording process. I also really love the mixing process. Do you? Yeah, I think that's a lot of fun. I mixed everything on the album except for the drums. My friend Joel Boyer did the drums because um, I have not been able to <laughs> mix drums too successfully. It's just a lot of a lot of noise, and I wanted to that I can't make sound good. <laughs> <laughs> so I outsourced some things, but the mixing process was all me with. Um, Feedback from friends along the way, friends with good ears, friends who had been involved in the process, or friends who had not, and were coming to it with fresh ears. So now, do you use Garage Bands or Logic or Pro Tools? I what do you use, use Reaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. I am a big fan of it. It is very powerful, and I only know a fraction of what it can do. But I, I love learning about it, and um, oh, just. Getting to harmonize with myself <laughs> the first time that I opened up Audacity, which was my first um, digital audio workstation before I switched to Reaper, it was like magic. Like I get to add as many harmonies as I want. Like that's that's what I've been looking for all my life. <laughs> now, was the learning curve difficult or was it just like baby steps and it just, you didn't worry about it so much. It's just, Oh, I can do this today. I couldn't do that yesterday. Yeah. Baby steps. And I have several friends who are really proficient in it and proficient in recording in general. So a lot of asking people like, what is, you know, what should I do here? Like, why, why does my vocal sound like this? Like, how can I get it to sound like that instead? And watching videos and doing some reading, and like I said, so much more that I want to slash need to learn about. But for now, I can get in and I can knock out a song and harmonize all afternoon if I want to. <laughs> now, how do you go about choosing what other instruments you want on your songs? In other words, arranging. Oh, good question. Um, Part of it is like, who do I want to work with? Like, who haven't I worked with before that I'd love to try to work with? Who do, you know, who do I think could bring something to this song? Like, Elena, I knew from the start, um, all the songs on the album have the same drummer and the same bass player. I wanted to keep the rhythm se section consistent, but Elena, I thought, well, I want my best friends on it. I want them to sing backing vocals. I think electric guitar would be really cool to get kind of like that dream pop sound. Mm -hmm. And since it's got this kind of by the sea sort of quality, I want accordion. And I have a few accordion player friends. So I, you know, went to the one who wasn't already on the album and I was like, can you add accordion to this? And he did. So it's a much maligned instrument, isn't it? Yeah. I am a huge fan of the accordion and you know, I'm always happy when I hear it. I played in a polka band over the summer. So <laughs> did you really? Accordion, yeah. You get a lot of fun gigs when you play the trombone <laughs> and yeah, accordion is fun. I I'm always happy to hear it. I had a acquaintance one time. I was questioning him as to why he played accordion. And he said, well, growing up, it was either 
piano or accordion or trumpet or trombone or clarinet. I didn't want any of the brass or the woodwinds. He said, so I chose accordion and my parents were kind of pushing me. And he was very accomplished at it because I knew him when he was in his 20s. And I said, well, is it a popular instrument? He says, Todd, you ever ride in an elevator? I said, of course. He said, did you ever notice there's music playing in an elevator? I said, well, yeah, of course. He goes, every one of those songs has an accordion on it. <laughs> that and, is very true. <laughs> yeah, and m- many of the soundtracks for movies, um, you name it, it's amazing because it's a very, as, as you know, probably better than some other folks, it is an extremely versatile, versatile instrument. Yes, I love arranging and writing for accordion because I feel like it can do so much that maybe other instruments can't do it the same way. Now, when you record, do you lay down a, what we would call a scratch track with just you and your guitar playing and singing at the same time, or, or do you just record yes. the guitar? And then, okay. Um, so um, all of, all of the songs on this album, I recorded demos and I did do um, guitar first and then vocals and I did everything to a click track so it would be easier for the rhythm section but um yeah always always start with just me and then and see where it goes from there now does the guitar track that you start with make it on the final mix or do you eliminate it and redo it or how do you go about choosing whether when to use your guitar part I redo everything (laughs) Yeah, after after the rhythm section sent me their tracks and I mixed them, I for pretty much every song that's on the album, I re-recorded and you know changed ideas about like how I wanted to phrase things or maybe I didn't like the way the guitar sounded and I wanted to do a better take. Now was so, it yeah. was it difficult for you to learn to play to a click track? It's hard. I like to think that I have a very good sense of rhythm and a good like sense of tempo, a good like inner metronome. But click tracks are hard. And I notice that too whenever like a band or other ensemble that I'm working with tries to play to a click track. Immediately we get off and go on our own personal tempo. And there is something like nice about that that's humanizing and you know we want music to be human but it's also so crucial when you're sending files back and forth and you're not in the same room to have something that is steady that's true i've heard people talk about why they record live in the studio with their bandmates sitting in a circle or in the same room everyone plays the song at the same time and they refer to it as they need the song to breathe like it would if you play it live where yeah maybe somebody sped up a little bit but you play often enough you know they always speed up in that spot so you follow them along but you're absolutely right if you're sending the file to someone if it's all over the ballpark they're going to have to listen to it 300 times in order to follow it along (laughs) yeah the I've I have difficulty with click track because I don't record that often, and I'm a solo performer. So it, you know, if I speed up or slow down, who's going to be? No one's right. going to be yelling at me like you know, you're too quick. 
the but what I've learned is that the click track and many of the electronic click tracks are that click sound. So I almost want something almost like not a bass drum, but something in the low register. Yeah, because I can. You know, feel I, I it actually more. play with. Yeah, I play with the pitch on mine. Oh, do you really? I adjust it so that yeah, I adjust the volume and I and I've adjusted the pitch sometimes too, so it is lower because that beep beep beep. It's I, not. You're right. It's not a pleasant sound. <laughs> no, and I find it distracting. Yes. Now, do you tap your foot to the click track? Are you a foot tapper? Um, you know, as much as people have tried to talk me out of it, I think. I have finally, I've learned how to be an inside the shoe foot tapper. <laughs> I remember being told to do that, like back in middle or high school when I was practicing for performances, like you can tap your foot, but it has to be inside your shoe. And I always feel like a little rebellion when I tap the whole foot out, like shoe as well. Like, you know, this is a very transgressive thing to be tapping my entire foot and you can see it. Now, what was their argument as to why they didn't want you to tap your foot? I think it, the idea was that it like would look amateur or ah. that it would be distracting. And, you know, of course I was amateur. I was 12 but, and I understand the distraction, but, um, yeah, I feel like it's one of those things that's not as big of a deal as I was told it was when I was 12. Well, for many blues musicians, acoustic blues especially, the foot tapping is part of the, the music. Right, yeah. I mean, I'm amazed how many guitar, since I'm a, a guitar player mainly, how many guitar players who play solo can tap their foot in time the entire song. I have to switch from my front part of the foot to my heel because my muscles get tensed and, oh yeah and i'm not evidently i'm getting better at it because i have one a christmas song that i have been trying to record for many many years and we never get farther than one or two sessions and the problem the last time was i i couldn't maintain i couldn't stay with the click track ah so what i have done over the past year is forced myself to tap to a click track might tap my toe and now yeah. I'm very consistent with it, but I can't do it on every song. That's the funny thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not always on the downbeat. I might be on the upbeat, but I'm consistent. Okay. So how do you maintain being on the downbeat? Is it just inherent in what you do? I feel like I just feel it. Yeah. I feel like, um, I can find the downbeat where, wherever it is like i said good sense good sense of rhythm um bad coordination which is probably why i never like have tried to learn the drums <laughs> but um yeah good sense i feel i feel rhythm and i'm really fascinated by it and love like trying to figure out rhythms that are complex and um you know i think marching band mm -hmm. again also helps because you know, you got to be on the downbeat. You got to be marching on all four beats. That's and, true. you know, your left foot goes down on beat one and beat three and your right is on two and four. And I still, I will catch myself marching in time to songs like at the grocery store or when I'm walking down the street. 
Like, of course I'm going to walk in time. That's what you do. You would have done great in boot camp. <laughs> I would have been terrible in boot camp, but I would have <laughs> marched in exact time. <laughs> well, that's what I meant, really. Yes. <laughs> now, switching back to songwriting, when you come up with an idea of a song, for a song, and whether it's by a prompt from the one of the you know the open mics or whatever it is, how do you go about once you have that theme, or do you always work from a theme, or maybe you don't? Maybe you just play the guitar and something pops out. And how do you construct the story, so to speak? All of the above. I wish that I had a consistent answer because I feel like so many songwriters do. But on the album or even just, you know, other songs I've written in the past, there are songs I've written from prompts, songs I've written because I've been inspired by something I read or something I saw, songs where like perjury started because I wanted to try um, something in that chord progression. I liked going from the D major to the C major. And I thought I want to do that in a song. Um, and so I did it a bunch of times in that song. Um, yeah. Sometimes I start with music first, sometimes lyrics first. And sometimes I go a very long time just strumming and waiting for things to come out mm -hmm. and waiting to see like, if words will happen. Now, do Sometimes you... I take a progression and I go like, okay, I want to use these chords and see what happens. Like I said, yeah. Now, do you have a specific spot in your house or maybe in your yard that is your songwriting spot? Um, we moved recently. We were um, from one part of the Chicago area to another. And the exciting thing about having this little house where we live is that I have a studio space that is all my own and I have been doing a lot of songwriting there. Now, is it easier for you to write in the morning, in the evening, during the day, or does it make a difference? Hmm. I, I think morning has been historically really good for me to get free writing done from which I often get like, an idea for where the next verse is going to go, or like, this is a phrase that I want to use. The most recent song that I wrote, which of course is not on the album because it's so recent, I wrote in a park, a very busy park in Chicago while I was waiting to go to a gig. And the words just came out. I don't often have a song where things just come out magically, but every once in a while. Well, that, that was going to be my follow-up question was, is there any time frame for your writing? In other words, most of your songs you finish in a week or two weeks or whatever, or is it, are they all different? And how, how long can a song take sometimes? There's a song that I've been working on for about a year now that I still don't think I have... 100% figured out what I want to do with it. So maybe by the end of the year, um, I've written songs in, as quickly as in a week. And I'd say, oh man, there's one that probably took about two years off and on to finish. 
So every song, like I said, is very, very different. Yeah. The ones that seem to take the, when you say you've been working on for a long period of time, is it because you, you're not satisfied with the lyric, or is it a combination of the lyric and maybe the music? The one that I've been working on for the last year, I love the lyric. I have gone back and forth with the musical arrangement. Um, I've played it in alternate tuning. I've played it really fast. I've played it really slow. I've like punked it up. I've made it very folky and laid back. And it just doesn't know what it wants to be yet. And that's okay. I feel like it'll figure it out. Now you mentioned alternate tuning. Do you use alternate tunings often? Sometimes. I was really big into them maybe about 15 years ago, um, mm -hmm. just because it was something very new to me. And I am an enormous Joni Mitchell fan. So, yes. of course, in order to play any Joni Mitchell song properly, you have to get into all sorts of alternate tunings. So that's fun to explore. Um, one of my guitars right now is in open E because I was learning an open E version of Joni's song, Cactus Tree. Oh. And so I've been going in and fooling around with that tuning and seeing what I like. And maybe a song's going to come out of that. Um, Back East, which we'll talk about later, is I believe I want to say that it's an open D. I could have to correct myself later. Yeah, open tunings are fun. <laughs> now, do you have a favorite open or alternate tuning? I am really liking open E at the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just because I have been playing with it a lot. Um, ask me again tomorrow and I might have a different answer. <laughs> now, when you tune the guitar to a new tuning the first time, do you go online and, and search out chord shapes from people or do you just experiment and it's a like discovery for you both often if i'm tuning it to a new tuning it's because i want to learn a different song mm -hmm. so um i might you know i've been playing with these chord shapes from cactus tree but part of the fun of alternate tunings is the experimentation so just putting your finger down and going like what does this sound like? I had a student once, a guitar student, who decided once um, he wasn't going to ask me what any real chord shapes were anymore because it was too much fun to just put his fingers down randomly and then say, is this a chord, Miss Farrell? <laughs> and that's, that's one way to do it. It kept it fun for him, so I was all for it. Well, as long as it's not totally dissonant, right? Oh, sometimes it was. <laughs> and I just accepted it as, you know, it being his noise period. Well, before we finish our conversation, what is your favorite part of music? Is it the songwriting? Is it the performing live? Is it the recording? Um, what is your favorite part of, if you take your music and everything you do, what is the... if? If someone said, we're going to take everything but one part of your music, Carrie Ann, oh. <laughs> what, would be, what would remain? I think the part that I love the most and have been doing the longest so that it would 
hurt the most if it got taken away. And it did hurt in 2020 when it was taken away. Live performance. Yes. And I started um, when I was seven singing in the Frederick Children's Chorus and like singing in the choir at St. John's and, you know, just performing all the time when I was little and added bands onto that. And so that connection with the audience and that feeling of like being on and, you know, there's like a release to it and there's, just like this overwhelming joy that I have when I'm performing. I don't get stage fright so much as I get like a little anxiety about, will people like me? But I never get too worried about like, you know, am I going to screw up? Because sometimes screwing up is part of the fun. Oh, I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Now we're going to, um, play for the folks Um, you and I will have finished our conversation but I'm going to end the show with your song Back East so I want you to tell me about it all right so as we have talked about I live in Chicago now and have been here for almost 20 years but I grew up in Frederick and then went to school in Baltimore and spent like yeah the first 20 some years of my life in Maryland and moving away from my family and my friends and my life was a very exciting thing to do because I was moving in with my boyfriend, who is now my husband. Um, But it was also kind of a scary thing. And it was hard, I think, for my family to, you know, say goodbye. And it was hard for me. So um, back east is, you know, kind of comes out of the weekly phone calls that I have with my mom and that feeling of connecting with someone long distance, but knowing that, you know, there's so many things day to day that you miss and that you can't be a part of anymore. It's easier now with social media. And, you know, if there's a line in the song about your nephew smiling for the first time and like thanks to social media, when that happens now, I can see it on Facebook. But yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, um, just that that distance and that feeling of that feeling of guilt sometimes that you're not back home like where you belong. Well, and ambivalence, like the whole album, I'd say, is all about ambivalence, <laughs> and back east is certainly part of that as well. Well, I, when I listen to it, I almost think it's your, I wouldn't have said your mom, but that probably would make more sense that the, it's written from almost from your mom's standpoint, talking to you. It's, it's part like her speaking to you, but also writing to you the way we used to write letters. The, um, but then there's other parts in the song where it's you reminiscing. Yeah. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, the whole thing, like, is pretty much a monologue, monologue from this parental character. And, and the refrain is, of course, we miss you, we miss you, we miss you back right. east. That guilt, <laughs> a little bit of guilt there, <laughs> but also, also, like, very honest sentiment. The missing is hard, and, you know, 
I miss them from out here in the heartland. <laughs> well, but you are going to be back and remind everybody yes. when you will be back and why. Well, I will be back in the Frederick area on October 21st. I'll be playing at Beans in the Belfry in Brunswick, which is one of my favorite places in the area and i'll be playing my record release show for someone else's wings which is the record that all the songs we've been talking about pretty much are going to be on yeah and what time of day is the show that is a very good question (laughs) (laughs) um it it is an evening show i want to say it's seven to nine but don't quote me on it um visit the beans in the belfry website or um, find me on Facebook, Carrie Ann Farrell, and that professional Carrie Ann Farrell version of me usually knows when and where <laughs> things are. <laughs> well, do me the favor about uh, a week before the show, send me an email. I'm going to remember that you're going to be there, but send me an email and just remind me the time because I send out sure. a, an email to about, gosh, I don't know how many people every week, and I just sent it out this morning. I try to send it out on Wednesdays, and it lists all the different venues, the wineries, the breweries, the distilleries. Um, If, you know, as to who is playing where from, say, Thursday through Sunday. And that way I can get it on, make sure I get it on to um, to the update. So if you'll do that for me, that would be absolutely terrific. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And that will also remind me that I need to be there. (laughs) <laughs> I would love that. Thank yeah. you. The only reason that I wouldn't be able to be there is if I'm out of town for some reason, but well, I think we can make it work. Great. Well, this has been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Well, good. And I wish you the very best. And I do hope to get to see you in October. And as I mentioned before, we actually hit record I'll be uploading this hopefully this evening. And today is Wednesday, September the 21st. So it's technically what, the last day of summer, first day of of fall, right? Right. Yeah, the equinox. Yeah. So thanks again, uh, Carrie. Do you go by Carrie or Carrie Ann? I go by both. (laughs) Now, was Carrie Ann because of the Holly song, Carrie Ann, or is it? Very good question. I love that song. I've actually recorded it. Have Um, you? I have a friend who will often greet me with that song, actually several friends who will often greet me with that song. But I'm actually named after my grandmother, whose um, birth name was Ann Carey. Ah, that's a, a name for an author. (laughs) well listen you have a wonderful rest of your day and i look forward to meeting you in person thank you thank you so much oh you're welcome and thanks again for your music i'm enjoying it thank you and have a good rest of your day thanks bye-bye now bye that was carrie ann farrell and uh delightful young lady and uh we're gonna now listen to her song back east which she just talked about Giants. 
Mob Music Acoustic Radio Podcast Series is produced by me, Todd, middle initial C. Walker, at the Wispy Mob Music Studio in Frederick, Maryland. All the music on the podcast is played by permission from the artist. If you're enjoying the series, please feel free to share the link, wispymopmusic.podbean.com, or you can find it on either iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. It's getting late and I should let you go. Sure you've had another busy weekend. Hope you got some downtime on the weekend. You know your dad's not much for phone calls, but he said.